0: scripture this morning. It comes from the prophet Zephaniah, third chapter, beginning in verse 14 through verse 20. Zephaniah. Zephaniah. It's in the Old Testament. He's a minor prophet. Uh, he's listed as a minor prophet because he didn't write that much. Uh, so if you are having trouble finding him, you can go to your Pew Bible. You can go to the page number 940. Or if you need a trick to go in your own Bible, you brought your own Bible with you, you're looking for Zephaniah. Zeph. Aniah. You can go to Matthew. Everyone knows where Matthew is, and then turn backwards. You'll find Malachi, and then go past that. You'll see Zechariah, go past that. And then you'll see Haggai, go past that, and you're in Zephaniah. See? It's a short trip. Those, those you know, Malachi and Zechariah and Haggai, that takes maybe six pages. So you're not that far away from it. Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 14 through 20. I want to make sure everyone has a chance to get there. Zephaniah, my dad, Zephaniah is probably the most talked about book between my dad and I. My dad's a pastor in Gainesville, Texas. And it seems like a strange thing to say because it is. Zephaniah is all of three chapters long. And for it to be the most conversed scripture between two pastors, a father and son, it is a strange thing. But it is also the most desired scripture we have to do a sermon series on. And we don't know if it's because it's short or because it's deep. And so it is both of those, and I will tell you we've had many conversations over it and the wonders and the beauty because Zephaniah lifts up uh, the, the condition of, of man and our sin and the, and the awesome wrath of, of God in a way that other books don't really lift up. And, but then it ends in just a similarly awesome way with this hope that it leaves us with. And today we leave with this hope. Here in verse 14, he writes, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival the Lord. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's Advent, and as such, we celebrate two Advents. Advent being the coming, the waiting, the anticipation of the Messiah. We celebrate the first advent when Jesus was born as we decorate and prepare and we sing to his birth, the first coming of our Lord and Savior, who then lived the perfect life and died the death we deserved on the cross, shedding his blood as an atonement for our sins. Three days later, he rose from the grave. He actually rose from the grave and then he ascended to the right hand of God where he sits today until he comes again to consummate his kingdom. See, he's coming again, the scriptures tell us. And we believe the scriptures because they have upheld every promise of God throughout them. They are trustworthy. They are true. It's not Objective as to whether it's true, it's an objective truth, it's universal truth with a capital T. And so we celebrate two Advents, the one in which God dwelt with us as a baby who grew into our Savior, and the one in which we wait his second coming for the consummation of his kingdom, in which he says he will make all things new, a new heaven, a new earth, And God will dwell with us forever. So we're here, gathered in the space between the already and the not yet. And Zephaniah, in his prophecy in the 600s BC, in the time in, in which they weren't in exile, they were in the kingdom of Judah, They were experiencing other idols being brought in and worshipped. He begins in in the first chapter in the seventh verse. In when he's declaring this wrath of God in the seventh chapter, he says, Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. He tells them to be silent as they await the first coming. Of Christ, They're silent as they wait. But then he writes for the time and the space between. He writes to the day you and I are gathered here. And he says, sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem sing singing and music throughout scripture we are implored and led encouraged called and commanded to sing to shout praises to rejoice and again paul tells us to rejoice see the lord knows that singing and music has a way of connecting the heart with the mind, of joining the two together. Scientifically, the first thing that happens when we hear music is the pleasure centers in our brain release dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter to tell us to be happy. Music does that naturally for us. For some of us, it begins, we hear music and our toes start tapping. Others, we start swaying. If we're in our own home and we think no one's watching, we'll start dancing. You'll even see people driving in their car down 3rd Street as you leave worship today. And if you stop at a red light long enough, there will be someone dancing in their car. And if you pull up next to me, it will be me and my kids. Music and singing has a way of lifting joy in our heart as it connects our mind, and our heart together. See, music plays important roles in our lives. Before we had televisions in our homes, we had music. And we have, all the technology advances we've had have advanced music to make it more accessible in our lives from the very first Phonographs to 45s to eight-track players to get them in our cars so they're portable to tape players that we to tapes that we have to rewind with pencils and we can put them on our belts and with headphones and listen to them to Steve Jobs standing before the world proclaiming on this tiny device it's not a phone but it can hold 1,000 songs. Music has driven technology changes because music drives the soul. Music has a way about it. And so when we gather here in worship, we sing. We sing because it connects our heart with our mind. We sing to make God not to make God feel better. He's not melancholy in need of a pick-me-up from us, but we sing Because we are told to do so through Scripture. That our singing, our joyful noise to the Lord glorifies Him. See, in the Westminster Catechism, so a catechism, if you're unfamiliar with with this, a catechism is uh, teaching the Christian faith to new converts in a systematic and organized way. There's a few of them out there you may have heard of. The Heidelberg Catechism and the Westminster Catechism tend to be two of the more famous ones. The Westminster Catechism came about in 1646, 1647, when the Church of England and the Church of Scotland wanted to unify their teachings and get everyone on board in what they taught new converts and young children about the Christian faith. And in so, their very first question is this, what is the chief end of man? The answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And the scriptures tell us we glorify and we enjoy through singing, through music, through praises, through shouting, through rejoicing. See, I believe singing and how we approach singing and rejoicing and shouting and enjoying God witnesses to how free we are in Christ. But what limits us in the freedom in which we sing and enjoy him when in worship our fear of the person beside us or in front of us or behind us it's why we dance alone in our house or we dance in the safety of our car because we feel there's no judgment there but if the truth be told i bet most of us dance when we sing these songs in our own home to god There's a movement of the body because fear is removed. See, it witnesses to how free we are in Christ or how much we still have concerns for those around us judging us. And then even the songs we sing, some songs we sing, we can attribute to we don't know them, right? We don't sing them with as much gusto and as much joy. We've never heard it before. It's a new tune for us. But then there's plenty of songs we've heard time and time again, and yet we still don't sing with gusto and and joy. But there's others that speak to our very faith at the core of our hearts that we will sing from the mountaintop until the day we die. And in fact, I'm willing to bet the song Amazing Grace, we can join in singing right now without John on any accompaniment, and we will fill this hall with a gusto and a joy we have not yet heard, even with the Hallelujah Chorus this Christmas season. That's a challenge. So let's sing together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that says. Yeah, give yourself applause. Sing, shout, and we rejoice with the songs and the hymns and the psalms that witness the merging of our heart and mind and the enjoying and glorifying of God we fill our lives with. See, as we go in this space between... We can turn to the scriptures as they tell us in Psalm 68, 6. God sets the lonely into families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. In Psalm 89, verse 1, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all the generations. In Psalm 98, shout joyfully, To the Lord, all the earth, break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in the fifth chapter. He says, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the spirit song and make music from your heart to the Lord. And we even see in the Christmas story that Mary receives the news that she will bear A son, a Messiah, that will save his people from their sins. And when she visits Elizabeth, she sings. And when the angels come to the shepherds, while they watch their flocks by night, after they make the proclamation of good news, of great joy, a heavenly host comes to them and they sing. Hark, listen, the herald angels, they sing. And as they sing, we hear of the joy and the hope and the peace that is to come from our Lord and Savior. But it's not just in the moments of celebration that we sing. Scripture points to the fact that even in our sufferings, we sing and we witness to Christ. Just as Paul and Silas in Acts 16 and they are in prison, suffering, and yet they sing. And they sing to the Lord, the scripture tells us, and the other prisoners listen in. Who would sing while in prison? Oh, but those who have joy in the Lord, who have found rest and peace and hope in him alone. So we sing. We sing not only because we are called, commanded, led, and encouraged, but Zephaniah says we have a specific motivation for our singing. He says right here in verse 15, the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. We sing because our punishment has been removed. We sing because there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We sing because there's nothing on heaven or earth that will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ ever again. We sing because it glorifies God. We sing because we enjoy him. We sing because we are grateful. Our judgment day has already come. See, our judgment day came the day Christ died on the cross as our substitute in which he shed his blood for our sins so that we may not know God's wrath, but we may enjoy his grace and his love. But the Bible says we will go before the Lord and give an account. And our file will be pulled and it will say holy, spotless, blameless. But it's not because of us because it's written in the blood of Christ. And so we sing, we shout, we rejoice, because when Christ comes again, we have no fear. We rest that his promises will be fulfilled. And Zephaniah tells us exactly what will be fulfilled. He says, in Christ, we have a mighty warrior who saves. Who will rejoice over you with singing. In verse 18, Zephaniah tells us there will be no more mourning when Christ comes again. Verse 19, no more oppression, rescue to the lame. And gather the exiles see we are the exiles read the scriptures we are the exiles in this great story of God and his redemption of his people we live in the space between of him coming and his coming again we live in a Genesis 3 world in which Adam and Eve, after eating from the tree, they were then exiled from paradise, from enjoying God's presence. And we are the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. But because of what Christ has done, when he comes again, he will gather the exiles. And he tells us in verse 20, At that time, I will bring you in. At the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. So we wait. We wait with singing and praises on our lips. We wait. Because we know these words to be true from Revelation 22. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen.